Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Thank you for the download, for the stream, hopefully the subscription to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. If you're not subscribed, that's one of two things you can do to help me out. Subscribe right now. Go to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you like to hear wrestling podcasts. Go there, subscribe to this podcast, and you will get the be the first to get a new podcast each time it drops, whether it be on Thursday morning or one of our bonus shows. You'll get it if you subscribe. The other thing that you can do is go to iTunes. Leave a five-star rating and leave a positive review for this podcast to let all the good folks at iTunes know how much you enjoy Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. And if you're not sure how much you enjoy Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, then sit back, relax, clear the cake out of your ears, and listen to this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Welcome, it's Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Yes, indeed. What a show, what a show, folks. It's going to be a fun one today. I can feel it. Christmas is quickly approaching. Hope you all have purchased your Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast or Not Sam or whatever t-shirts that you want to get from NotSam.com slash merch. If you haven't yet, you can always order and just print out the email and then wrap it up in a big box. And they go through all the bubble wrap and the crumpled up newspaper. And they go, oh, I thought this was going to be a big present. It's just this piece of paper. What's this paper say? Oh, I'm getting a Sam Roberts t-shirt. You're my favorite uncle. Or Aunt. Mom, brother, friend, whatever it is, it's a good gift. But regardless of all that, I'm excited. The holidays are approaching. We're we're closing off another great year of amazing wrestling podcasts. Actually, why don't you tweet me at Not Sam uh, some of your favorite interviews from the year, and you can go back. All the old episodes are up uh, on iTunes or wherever. You can even go to NotSam.com and just scroll through and find all the old episodes of Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Tweet me who your favorite uh, interviews were this year. Uh, and why, and maybe we'll go over some of them next week on the podcast. But this week, we got a lot to talk about. Uh, Of course, I was at uh, Clash of the Champions. I was not only on the kickoff show, but for the first time, I was on Talking Smack. So I'll talk about that uh, a bunch, and I got a whole bunch of observations and takeaways from that show. So stay tuned for our uh, In the Bridge segment between the interview and the State of Wrestling. We'll get into all that. Uh, State of Wrestling this week, we will, of course, dissect Clash of Champions. I want to dissect Final Battle. We're really ramping up pretty quickly to the Royal Rumble, especially knowing uh, how kind of far away it is. It's still uh, over a month away. So it's interesting that they've, they've ramped up as quickly as they have in terms of announcing matches for it. Uh, and, and we'll talk about the Women's Royal Rumble. A lot to talk about in the State of Wrestling this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, I did some podcasts this week. Uh, I was on the Cheap Heat podcast with uh, my old pal Peter Rosenberg, uh, so that was fun. And I was just on the X-Pac 
12360 podcast, which if you haven't heard Xbox podcast, make sure that you do. He's a great, great uh, host, and he's got he's got all this great insight on the business. You know, you forget how much a guy like Xbox has seen. So it's worth checking that out uh, if you get a chance, Xbox 12360 He also posts the whole thing on YouTube, but it's on iTunes. Whatever you want to see, uh, go see it. JR was awesome last week. Uh, that interview, probably by the time you're hearing this, is already up on YouTube. If not, it will be soon over at youtube.com slash notsam. But the whole podcast is up for your listening enjoyment. But this week, uh, I went back to my favorite arena to watch sports entertainment in. If you guys have been listening to this show for a long time, you all know. It's the Westchester County Center. Why? Because Westchester County is the best Chester County. And if you're going to go to the best Chester County, go to the center to watch WWE. Uh, the night after Clash of Champions, there was a live event there, a SmackDown live event. And so I, uh, I went down because if WWE is in my hometown, I don't care if I was just there last night and I had to drive all the way back from Boston, sleep for an hour, go do the morning radio show, come home, get my stuff together, and then get ready to go. I'm going to see WWE when they're in my hometown. And I would advise you do the same thing, actually. uh, The holiday tour is always a fun time to see WWE. And if any of you guys think that the WWE superstars should not be working on Christmas, uh, the best thing that you can possibly do for them is go see them, right? Because then you're gonna you're, you, you you tell them that you appreciate what they do. Of course, they'll be at uh, Madison Square Garden on December 26th. They're gonna be in Chicago for Raw on Christmas. They're gonna be all over the place, and we'll get to we'll get to some more of those dates because I wanna I wanna share those with you. But the reason why I bring all this up is because I was at the Westchester County Center, and I got a chance to sit down with the glorious one himself, uh, Bobby Roode. Uh, I had a phone conversation with Bobby Roode not too long ago here on the podcast, but uh, this was, uh, I don't know if, if it was the first time or or what, it, it was definitely, it probably wasn't the first time, but it's uh, it might be the first time he's been in person on the podcast, and it was a really great conversation with Bobby. Bobby Roode is a, a fascinating guy to talk to just to get his perspective on where he's at right now. You know, you go from being a guy who many would assume would never be in WWE to being, at the time he was there, the most over guy on NXT to coming to SmackDown and kind of having to work his way up again. I really thought he was going to get the U.S. title at Clash of Champions. He did not. Dolph Ziggler did. Um... But I was really interested in his perspective on his career, where he's at right now, and also how long he's got left, right? Because, you know, the rumors are always flying around about AJ Styles, but Bobby Roode is in the same age range as AJ, which is not to say either of those two guys come across as old. I think both those guys come across as just now hitting their peak. But it is this question of how long are they planning on doing this? Some people decide to come to WWE because they just want to do, you know, three years, say, they want to do a, the last three years and make some money and go about their business and ride off into the sunset a wealthy man. Some people don't. Some people think that they got uh, they got a lot left in the tank. So that's what I wanted to talk to Bobby Roode about. Uh, and we talked about it at the Westchester County Center. Here it is this week on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast, the glorious one, Bobby Roode. And now, the Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast interview. We're my hometown. Westchester, New York, the Westchester County Center, White Plains, and Bobby Root is here. Bobby, what's the haps, man? Well, like you said, we're here, Westchester, New York, a little cold outside, but uh, 
it's always glorious when I'm around. So <laughs> it is now, glorious. Yeah, yeah. What's uh, now that you're you're full time SmackDown on the road? You've had some time to get used to the schedule and everything. How does it compare to what you were doing before? Because when you were in NXT, you weren't at the Performance Center, right? You were just on the NXT road shows. Right, and you know what? Uh, as I started, we the NXT really started to grow and to started to do more per, you know more shows on the road outside of their uh, what they call their cocoa shows within the the state of Florida. We started traveling around, uh, you know, domestically to different states and doing you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday shows. Sometimes Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, some international stuff, but nothing compared to what I'm doing now. Um, since I got brought up to SmackDown in August, uh, I've done three international tours, and uh, I don't believe I've, I think I've had maybe one weekend off since I started. So, three international tours since August? Yeah, we did uh, three or four months. We did South America in October. Uh, then we did uh, our two weeks in uh, Europe, and then we just got back from uh, Peru and Mexico. So, And is this the most you've ever consistently work because even i mean tna never ran like this right? no no and this is uh this is definitely the most consistent uh schedule for sure um it's busy but you know what uh, 19 years ago i got into this business knowing that if i was going to make it in this business it was going to be like this yeah and uh so this was expected so you know i'm having fun doing it how does your body maintain like that because obviously it, there's got to be some getting used to it right that like oh, no, yeah. we're doing this again we're gonna do it again we're yeah. gonna do it again and and the 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 weird thing about it is is like like you said i've had throughout my career i've had different schedules lighter schedule obviously the schedule is a lot busier um but your body kind of becomes callous to it if that makes sense you know so if for instance in the past in my career i've had you know dates where i've gone a couple times you know i've, I've gone to work a weekend maybe three or four shots and then i'd go home for two weeks and then i go back on the road that's when i'm the most sore you know, when I'm working a consistent schedule like this, your body kind of becomes used to it. And uh, the worst part of it all, and I've always said this from day one, is the travel. Um, you know, sitting in a car, driving for three or four hours to the next town or, uh, you know, flights and stuff like that. Yeah, totally. I mean, is, is uh, head and shoulders uh, worse than, you know, falling on my back out there. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's been, uh, it's been great. Do you, uh, I mean, at this point in your career, it's hard to imagine, like, getting better but I guess that's the whole goal right you know you keep going because you keep getting better do you feel like that is accelerated when you're working as much as you are like you're getting that sort of like this is a, a year's worth of wrestling in yeah. four months or whatever for me at this point in my career it's more about um, the confidence you know each yes. time you go out there you get more and more confident in your ability you get more confident in front of the you know the fans the WWE universe you know it's just um, at this point it really is for me. It's about uh, not necessarily getting better. Um, I can always get better. I mean, that's one of the things. The beauties of this business is that it keeps changing all the time. So you have to keep up with it and challenge yourself to to continue to get better. Because the guys, I, I've been around for a while, and the guys that I've been working with are a lot younger than me. So it's, it's, it's you got to be able to keep up to those guys and, and go out there and perform to their level uh, many times. And for me, it's just you know having that that confidence in my ability going out there having good matches uh you know good performances coming back through the curtain after a match is done and, and being proud of something so is that kind of the the survival mechanism is just like concentrate on what's tonight's match do a good match and that's what's in your control that's it that's all that's all you can do is uh, and that's the one thing that i've learned in this business is that you can only control you know that that day the next day you don't know what's going to happen and you, you basically you know 
I, I've always gone through my career just kind of one day at a time. I don't look too far ahead. Obviously, you have goals. You have to set goals for yourself. And, and uh, you know, for me, has always been the ultimate goal is always to be a champion or to be a, you know, a face of a company or be the, the top guy in a brand, whatever the, whatever that case may be. That was always the goal and always still will be my goal because if you don't have, you know, if you don't have a goal in whether it's this or, you know, working at a Walmart or whatever, you know, you there's no sense being here. You know right. what I mean? So um, you always have that desire to do something better and to get better. But I would imagine that, like, the NXT run specifically, but even getting to the main roster at this stage in your career, like at that point, you probably have to kind of give up on this idea of planning everything out. Because I don't think, you know, 10 years ago, you were probably going, you know what, maybe where I'm at is where I'm going to be at, and I'll just be the best person here. I don't think that it's it's, it's not a given, right, at that point that, right. that you're going to be here ever. No, yeah, you know, you just, you never say never in this business. Mm-hmm. It's, it's been told to me a million times, and obviously, you know, for me, the WWE was always the ultimate, you know, to, the, in sports entertainment is this is the place to be. If you want to make a name for yourself, uh, you know, you have to get to this to this company and, and be put on this, you know, the stage. And, um, you know, it's 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 everything that I thought it would be, to be honest with you, you know, um, just the popularity of the, the glorious character and, and, you know, just being around not only the, like the guys in the locker room, uh, but the guys behind the scenes, the the office, the production people, everything is just so top-notch and, and outweighs everything that I've ever experienced in my career before I got here. Did you have guys, not here necessarily, and I'm not going to ask you to name names, but were there guys that when you decide to go to NXT, were there guys outside of this place going like, what are you doing, man? There's easy money over here. NXT is down here. You're not even going to the main roster, or did they all kind of get what was going on? Well, I mean, no, I think they kind of understood because the guys that I worked with uh, in other companies kind of saw the writing on the wall as well. You gotcha. know? And, and I was, I have zero regrets in my career. I really, I really have zero regrets. Um, you know, I was treated very well, um, but I just came to a point in my career where. Uh, I was at a company for over 12 years. I felt like I did everything that I could possibly do there. Um, and, you know, I... All the way up! <laughs> Rusev. Uh, you know, um, I was very... I, I was, you know, I was just going... I was doing well. I was supporting my family. I had zero complaints, but it came to a point where it was like... We go back to the question a while ago. It was like, okay, I'm going to go to work for six days and then I'm going to go home and sit for two months and then they're right. going to want me to come back and work seven days maybe twice in one day and then go home for three months that's not what I got in the business for yeah. my, I got into the business to be on the road come to places like this and work in front of you know live crowds and then go to TV and work and then go home for a couple of days and then go back on the road it's just that's the schedule that I wanted. That's the schedule that I expected when I started in this business. And that's not what I was getting there. I was starting to lose the passion for the business that I've always loved. You know, I was, I'm 19 years in, almost 20 years in this summer. And, um, you know, I love the business. And I was, got to the point in my career at that other company where I was just like, uh, I just, I don't love it anymore. And I got to go home and kind of figure out what I want to do and if I still love it. And fortunately for me, I got an opportunity and... Uh, it's been great. Are you glad that, you know, and like you said, there's no regrets, so you have to be like, it, there, there, there are benefits, right, to coming here uh-huh. later in the game with, like, all that experience under your belt. I think that, like, there are things here that you probably appreciate more than other people who didn't have to deal with everything that you've dealt with. I think that, like, you know, you've really got this look, and there are a handful of guys here now that uh-huh. know what 
this business looks like outside of this place right. and probably can appreciate what you're talking about, like just, just the, the production value being top notch, everything being top notch right. more than if you'd never been here, right? Or right. if you'd come here when you were 25 or something. Yeah, I mean, I, you would maybe, I don't know. I mean, if I was back in like 2000, even 99, when I was like breaking in and coming around and just trying to get a dark match and tried to be seen by, by people here in this company, like way back then, um, God knows if I would have been hired, if I'd still be here today. Right. Like I, you know, take things for granted. You you know, obviously, uh, you know, you you I've been able to learn um, along the way before I got here and I got a chance to work with some amazing people too, uh, along the way. So I've learned a lot, not only out there in the ring, but I learned a lot, you know, back here. And, uh, like you said, comparatively like this, the production, the, uh, you know, just the, uh, just the way they treat people and the way that the fans perceive us is our, the larger than life thing, you know. Uh, the superstar thing is real. The superstar, it's absolutely real, yeah. 100% real. And, and until you're here and you become that or involved in that, you just, you don't know that. And yeah. it, it's absolutely true. You are, you are a superstar here. So when you're, when you're there in NXT and like you hear the song and they're like, this is going to be your song. We're going to do the robe thing and everything. Do you immediately know that that's going to be because it was, it was successful really quickly like yeah. i feel like as soon as and that's partly because you personified it right away like it seemed like you completely identified with the character it was familiar to the people who knew you in the past but it was new it was different yep. but like you 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 owned it you personified it there was no looking at you and being like well that's the character bobby Roode's playing it was like that is Bobby Roode, and right. he thinks he's glorious, and his song kicks ass, and that's it, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it was it was kind of like a work in progress because I, when I came to NXT, I had a um, you know a chance to sit and talk one on one with Triple H and kind of get a give an idea of what I kind of wanted to do and what I've done in the past that I thought kind of worked, and uh, you know, so obviously I wanted to go back to wearing the robes because uh, it was different, and I always thought like when I grew up watching wrestling. It was always there was all, tons of guys that wore not just everybody associates the robe with Ric Flair, but Rick Rude wore one. Sure, you know uh, Greg Valentine, Greg, Greg the Hammer Valentine yeah. wore one. Yeah, I mean so Mr. The, Wonderful, Mr. Paul Orndorff. Yeah, he had great robes. Yeah. you know what I mean. So I mean there was a lot, but that just kind of went to the wayside. I mean Rick continued to wear them throughout his career, but it just nobody really wore one, and it kind of made me stand out. You know when I wore it in the past, and because nobody else was wearing them, and. Um, so I kind of wanted to bring that to NXT and, and bring that back. And then, to be honest, I had a different song picked out. Um, and then, like, a week before the, my debut, they had the song, and they let me listen to it at ringside at an NXT taping in Orlando. And um, Triple H was there, Michael Hayes was there, and Neil Law, the music guy, was there. And uh, I put the headphones on, and I listened to it, and it was the glorious song. And I was thinking to myself, well... This could go one of two ways because it's so different than everything else and so different than what I had that right. everybody agreed on a week ago. So it could be really good or it could suck. And uh, obviously it's been better than good. Did you have the glorious like term picked out already no. or was that like I hear it in the song, we're going to yeah. match this with the character now? Yeah, just that's exactly how it went because yeah. I was going to wear my robes and I had a robe you know, ready to go. Um, the one I wore in the past that I was going to wear my first for my debut, and then the glorious song came out and automatically started getting a pretty popular before I even debuted on TV with it. So I automatically I got the glorious put on my 
my robe, and then I got it on the trunks, and then it just kind of evolved into this entrance an, and everything. Thank God it was an old robe, not like that you'd gone and gotten a whole new robe right, made yeah, and then yeah. realized, like, yeah, that's not going to no, work. No, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, after that NXT run is so, like, successful, I would think beyond anybody's expectation, really. Like, like you were very quickly the guy for that brand, and that brand has finicky fans, right? Like, they, they will throw you out if they don't like what's being presented. Yeah, absolutely. And I came in at a really good time and the timing is everything in this business. Yeah. And at that time I was coming in and uh, a lot of guys were moving up, you know, that was right. the year of the draft. So, you know, a lot of uh, big names in NXT got a chance to come up and move to Raw or SmackDown. So there was a lot of uh, holes, I guess, to fill. And uh, that's where my experience kind of came in. And, and, you know, I got a chance to work with um, alongside Samoa Joe. Joe and I had a history before, and Joe knew me, I knew Joe, and he was one of the reasons why I came to NXT, to be honest with you. So I got a chance to work with Joe and, and um, you know, Austin Aries and, and uh, got him to put matches in there with Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor, yeah. you know, right off the hop. And then as everybody kind of moved on and up, I was kind of left in the position where I was given the opportunity to be the face of the brand with, with Shinsuke on top for eight months, and it was it was amazing and it was such a great experience and like i said we started traveling around domestically doing live events and then the international stuff and it was uh just just a really rewarding experience and without blowing smoke like i think that that right there tells you what the wwe kind of machine can do like they can yeah. take things that we already saw like bobby Roode and samoa joe mm -hmm. bobby Roode and austin aries like these are people from that from another company and now you're taking that same talent yeah. but you're putting them in front of big crowds you're putting them on pay-per-views that people are buying. like like the, the 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 hype it's as if it's never happened right yeah and, I, and years before i even got here everybody talked about the wwe machine yeah you know when you get the machine behind you, you sky's the limit and it's the truth i mean samoa joe is, is has always been incredible yeah aj styles has always been pardon the pun phenomenal he's right. been one of the best i've ever had a chance to be in the ring with and now people get a chance to see that and Bobby Roode's been glorious for a while. Yes, right? and just, <laughs> the song brought it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So when you come over to SmackDown, right, August comes up, it's time for you to go up to the main roster, which I think is huge because, like, you and Samoa Joe were the first generation of guys that people are going, like, maybe they won't ever come to the main roster, right? Like, you were brought in specifically to bolster the NXT brand with the idea of being, like, maybe, like, you know, fans, Woo! us, yeah. we're sitting there going, like, maybe they'll just stay in NXT. We don't know. When you come to SmackDown, obviously, like, that's a huge goal. Do you realize, like, okay, I'm not getting to carry all of this NXT weight with me. I'm going to have to now yeah. rebuild this thing. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the it was like starting all over again. You know, yeah. I was the, the rookie in the room, and, and obviously I had great success in NXT, but that means absolutely nothing up here. You know, so I had to come in and kind of, uh, you know, earn my spot, I guess you could say. And... Um, you know, I like to think that I was given a pretty nice opportunity to come in and start, you know, working with Dolph right off the bat. He's an incredible talent, so getting a chance to work with him really helped me out. And um, it allows you to do what you're talking about before. That's a guy who will allow you to have a great match. Right? Yes, and, and you know, um, I like to think that we've had some really great matches and told some great stories over the last three months. So, um, you know, yeah, you really like it goes back to that confidence thing. You mm -hmm. know, you go out there and you're used to, you know, performing at full sale. On television, you know, we taped three or four episodes in NXT in a row for a one-hour show, and then you come to SmackDown and perform in front of, you know, 12, 15,000 people every Tuesday. 
and uh, it, it's a, just a different ball game. But it, you have to find your confidence and, and um, you know, kind of settle in and, and get to work because it's been three months of constant, you know, on the road and and uh, and that type of thing. So. Um, but it's been a, the transition itself has been has been great. And is that I, I would think it probably has a lot to do with your experience, right? Knowing that you're like, so did you you knew when you left NXT that that didn't mean anything when you got to SmackDown? Yeah, I mean it's like you were aware of that before you got yeah. there, or was it you got to SmackDown and you figured it out quick? No, I mean I I knew coming in the door at SmackDown that I you know regardless of what I've done at NXT, I mean it's this is a new ball game. It's a and to be honest with you, a new audience. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like NXT, the takeovers and stuff are great and and, and everything else, but it's a, as you can tell because you've been there. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a takeover and it's a rowdy crowd, and then the next night, for whatever pay per view it might be, it may not be as rowdy. You know what I mean? So it's a, it's there are some NXT fans that will follow you around, but for the majority of a, a lot of times, like I'll go to a town and they may not know who Bobby Roode is for the first time. Right. You know what I mean? So that's different, and I knew that. So right, wow. you know, you really got to uh, you really have to go out there and establish yourself. It's like starting from scratch again, basically. So, so that thing. So you don't have that thing in you where you get frustrated because you're like, oh, oh, it's main event over here. Like I should be. Wrestling for the title now. I can't do my big entrances no. if I'm in the middle of the thing. And no, I mean it's like it's a different ball game. Right. And I think the experience. I mean, 20 years ago, I may have had a different feeling, but I know how the game works. And and you know, as long as uh, you know, uh, being a part of SmackDown is, is, is special. You know what I mean? And and being in NXT for a year and a half, I know what it means to be here, and I know how hard people work. You know, I, like you said, I didn't have to go to the Performance Center. I didn't have to be down there, but. Um, I know how hard those people work down there. Yeah. And the ultimate goal is to be here on Raw. So uh, I, you just don't take anything for granted. Do you have any, uh, like looking forward, do you have any idea how many years you want to have left on your wrestling career? Physically, I feel great. Mentally, more so, I feel great. So, you know, I'm, uh, I'm in my 40s now. Um, and I feel physically, I feel like I can continue to go for... I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to put a time limit on it because I feel really good right now. What is that? that like, is it because there's way less partying? Is it because nutrition has gotten better? Like, what is it about guys that can now get to 40? And it's like you, like AJ, like you guys are not looked at as people who are over the hill. You guys are like, okay, he's finally hitting his peak, yeah, right? That, like, it, like, I don't think that anybody looks at, yeah. at you and goes like, okay, he's probably got two years. They go like, yeah. yeah. He's here for the foreseeable. Yeah, but and that's the beauty of this business is like when I grew up in you know, watching it, a lot of the older guys were just like were the top guys. You know what I mean? Like you think back to uh Gosh, like I don't even know how old they were, but you think about like Hogan and Macho Man and, and yeah, guys of, you know, of that era. I mean, but they weren't young that- guys. I mean, and they were just they were as they continued on, they kept getting seemingly to get better, more popular. So I don't know if it's just an age thing or if it's just the experience that helps. I don't know. It was probably yeah, you know what? It was probably conditioning. So as a WWE fan right. growing up, and so like when Hogan and Macho go to WCW, we get beaten into us that they're old, they're old, right. they're old. But if you really look at it, yeah. they still had a lot of years right. left in them at WCW. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, uh, I, I feel physically and mentally, I feel great. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got that passion back. I'm, I'm happy to say and, and love the business and, and love being uh, a part of SmackDown. So, um, you know, I, I don't see me slowing down anytime soon um, when the time comes to where I feel like I need to slow down and, and maybe, uh, you know, walk away from 
the in-ring stuff. I would mm-hmm. love to stay a part of the company and, and do some stuff outside of the ring and, and, and hopefully share my experience with some of the younger guys and, and maybe get into a producer's role or something like that. I mean, this is the only thing that I've known for the last two decades. I really don't see myself doing anything else. And like I said, there's just uh, a passion that I have for this business that uh, will probably keep me in it in some capacity. That's awesome. Well, I could talk to you forever, but we got a, we got a, you got a lot of, uh, you got an event coming up tonight that I got to let you go compete in. And then your guys are going to be all around uh, uh, the country for the holidays, right? Yes. Yes. We, uh, so Christmas day, I fly out and we start our holiday tour. Uh, we head into uh, Chicago, of course, for SmackDown on the 26th. Yes. And then we head to uh, the beautiful new Red Wings Arena in Detroit. I'm a big Red Wings fan. Oh, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's exciting. So we're Have you been to that arena before? Yeah, we did Hell in a Cell there. My very first pay-per-view on oh, the SmackDown great. roster. So it was a pretty, it was fitting. Yeah. Because I'm such a big Red Wings fan. But we're back there the 27th in Detroit. Uh, the 28th, we go to Pittsburgh. The 29th, we're in Hershey, PA. And then we take a little flight down to Florida and Tampa, and we're there on the 30th. So it's uh, a busy schedule, but it's going to be a lot of fun. That's the best to check out when you guys have like a week off or whatever it's the best to go to live shows i know there's a ton uh i think uh, a lot of the raw guys are going to be in the new york area at yeah. like the garden on yeah. the 26th yes, and yeah. all over the place and i think yeah. they're going to long island too so i'm yep. i'm probably going to try to sneak into as many of those shows as those ho- yeah those holiday tours are they're uh from what i hear they're great so I, yeah. this is my first one but i'm so i'm looking forward to it yeah. awesome yeah well bobby rude uh, uh i'm so happy for your success and Thank i you. hope there's a ton more thanks man right. thanks for having me man here is sam roberts Once again, big thanks to Bobby Roode. I got to talk to him backstage there at the Westchester County Center. And for anybody that hasn't gotten a wrestling fan a Christmas gift yet or you just owe him something, listen to where WWE will be uh, over the holiday week because seeing WWE uh, live is like the coolest thing ever. I'm sure most of you guys have seen WWE live, but they're going to be in Chicago for Raw on Christmas, which is only a few days away. Then they're going to be in Madison Square Garden for December 26th, which you got to go to the Garden Show if you're local. If you're not local, you're in Chicago. They're going to be in, doing SmackDown live in Chicago on the 26th as well. On the 27th, they're in Uniondale at the Nassau Coliseum as well as in Detroit, Michigan. On the 28th, they're in Hartford, Connecticut and in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. On the 29th, they're in Hershey, Pennsylvania and in Albany, New York. On the 30th, they're in Toronto and they're in Tampa, Florida. And then, of course, New Year's Day. What better place to spend New Year's than Miami, Florida? New Year's Day, Raw in Miami, January 2nd, SmackDown in Orlando. So if you're local to any of those markets, make sure you get tickets. Uh, and it's the best possible thing you could do for a wrestling fan on Christmas. And it's something that you don't need to wait till it gets shipped or whatever. You go online, you order the tickets right now, you print them out, and you're all good. You're all set. So I would recommend it, uh, checking out any of those dates because the shows are going to be off the chizane. You understand? Speaking of off the chizane, I think Clash of Champions was better than a lot of people expected, mainly because of the kickoff show and Talking Smack. Yours truly, the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. Now, it was really, uh, I really, you never know what the reaction is going to be when you're doing those things. You know, I just, I just love doing them. Um, they're, they're more fun than you could possibly imagine. And I'm sure you could imagine that they're a lot of fun. Uh, but, and I, I don't always check Twitter all that much because, you know, I kind of, I, and this isn't bragging because I don't think it's me. It's the WWE machine lets you, uh, makes it so that you kind of become inundated with tweets 
after you do a show like that. And some of them are, are really great and positive, and I love it when you guys tweet nice things to me. And some of them are not. And it's really funny what rubs people the wrong way. And I never know. I never know when I say something that it's going to make people go nuts. So at the kickoff show, they do Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder, which I think the Mojo Zack Ryder story has been told beautifully. Mojo is really, really working well as a heel. The stuff that Mojo and Zack were doing on social media was an example. And we talk about social media on the show here. That's an example of what a lot of these guys really, really should be doing uh, more regularly because it makes you feel it makes you feel like it really matters because you see it on Twitter. And if you see it on Twitter, you know how important it is. Uh, but after the match, which Mojo won, and the whole time he's like grabbing him by the face and he's like, you got no killer instinct. You got no killer instinct. And he's just brutal and he's pushing him up against the wall and everything. I just thought it was a great side of Mojo Rawley. And it's one of those things where you don't know if he has that in him before he does it. But once you see it, you're like, oh yeah, he's there. He's got it in him. So after the match, I go, oh man, where were you? When Sean kicked Marty Jannetty through a window, and where were you when Mojo Rawley turned on Zack Ryder? Now, I did a whole rant here on the podcast about uh, Mojo losing his hype and doing a promo, and while I think that my ideas were good ideas, I was also like, I was being funny. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really sitting there saying that the mo the breakup of the hype bros is going to go down as one of the biggest breakups in the history of tag teams it's 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 a great storyline for right now but it's not going to go down it's not i know i understand that the hype bros breaking up is not the same as the rockers breaking up but i said that on the on the kickoff show to kind of be a little to be silly you know i was being like there there's a little bit of irony there there was i was being tongue-in-cheek i was i was just being a fan it was just my way first of all the people that were like you suck, Sam. He did not kick him through the window. He threw him through the window. Let's not start nitpicking, okay? Because I'd love to put you in front of a live TV camera in the middle of an audience of like 20,000 people and start picking apart your words. But, and I know I asked for it. I'm not complaining about it. But it's just really funny that so many people were like, you are out of your goddamn mind, Sam Roberts. What are you talking about? That is not the same as the Rockers. The Rockers was a much bigger deal. And I'm like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I was using Shawn Michaels and Marty's name in vain. I, for the record, do think that the breakup was on the same level. I'll just say it. I do think that. I'll just say it. I was watching Mojo Raleigh versus Zack Ryder trying to figure out who was Sean and who was Marty. And I said to myself, well, obviously Mojo Raleigh is the 2017 Shawn Michaels. Okay, I'll admit it. It's true. I do think that it's on the same level. And I believe that in 25 years, people will talk about the breakup of the hype bros like they talk about that barbershop segment. Yes. Yes, I'll just say it. I do think it's true. When I said I was being ironic, I was just covering it up. I do think that they are on the same level and um, and you'll all be proven wrong. I think that the, the, the time will, will go and the proof will be in the pudding, man. 
25 years from now where you're like, man, I had no idea that the breakup of the hype bros would set uh, uh, future results. This is going to be, you know what's going to happen because of the breakup of the hype bros? Biff Tannen is going to become the mayor of Hill Valley and he's going to have a museum dedicated to himself. Okay? If only Marty McFly had never bought that sports almanac. That's what's going to happen because this hype bros thing is such a tremendous, enormous big deal. Okay? That's how I feel. This is going to simply rock the foundation. This is going to rock the world of sports entertainment to its core and to its foundation. It will go down as the biggest tag team breakup in history. Okay. All right. Now that that's out of the way, so everybody knows exactly where I stand. uh, There was one thing, and you know, it's really funny, especially you're doing a show like Talking Smack. And by the way, if anybody out there ever does a, a kickoff show or a show like Talking Smack or anything like that, pray that you have a partner like Renee Young because she is, I mean, her talent knows no limits. It's amazing. There is, She brings you on to a live show like that and leaves you with nothing to feel uncomfortable about. She's got this thing. You look over there and you realize that that lady can maintain this entire show by herself. But instead, she's going to do her little magic and try to make me look good at the same time. It's amazing what she does. But there was one, and you do shows like this, and on the drive home, there was one moment. A lot of it I was happy with. I liked the interaction with the Usos. I liked the Charlotte stuff. I was super happy with the kickoff show. There was one moment that was just eating away at me the entire time I was driving home. And I'm talking to AJ Styles on the kickoff show, and I go, AJ, uh, who's next? You know, Are you done with gender? I was like, okay, I'm happy with that question. And he goes, yes. I go, okay, I'm happy with that answer. And then I go, well, who's next? Who are you looking into 2018 defending the, to defend this title against? And he goes, well, I don't know. Well, who do you think's next? And in that moment in my head, I thought Shinsuke Nakamura. And for some reason, I didn't ask it. And I wish I had. And I could have. You know, I have total carte blanche when I do either one of those shows, the kickoff show, the uh, uh, talking smack. Nobody is in there telling me what to do. It's really an amazing, amazing thing. But uh, I I had that moment that I wanted to say, AJ, do you think you can beat Shinsuke Nakamura to keep that title? And I just wish only because then I would have a moment to put that thought on television. And I feel like that's super valuable to just have a moment to put that thought on television. Not that it's the most influential thing in the world, not that I'm going to move mountains, but just the fact that that thing, that idea would be on television one more time would make that match maybe more likely to happen. And I just, I wish, so I'm putting it out into the universe now. That's my one thing. I wish that I had said to AJ, what about Shinsuke Nakamura? What about him, AJ? Can you beat the rock star, the king of strong style? Can you beat Shinsuke Nakamura? Huh? Huh? And I I don't know. I would have been interested in his answer, and I just would have been interested in putting that out in the ether. But there were a lot of people. I like WWE reposted that on Twitter uh, during the week, and a lot of people are saying, and more than I thought, actually. I got a lot of Twitter responders saying Sami Zayn is somebody who, now that he's a bad guy, and how good of a bad guy is Sami Zayn? He's incredible doing like the over-the-top dancing and the facial expressions and everything. But uh, 
I think Sami Zayn is a really interesting choice. And I didn't realize uh, until I saw those tweets how many of you would love to see Sami Zayn in a program for that WWE championship. And I think it's a great idea. Honestly, I wouldn't be hugely shocked if that becomes your Royal Rumble championship match, you know, based on where we're going. But before we start dipping too hard into storyline, that's state of wrestling territory. We're not just there yet. Don't forget to pick up a t-shirt, notsam.com slash merch. Look, my t-shirts are so amazing, I wear them. And you're not supposed to wear your own t-shirts. People think you look like a douche if you do that. But not me. Nope. I look cool when I wear my own stuff. Why? Because my stuff is so cool. See it for yourself at notsam.com slash merch. Get that Not Sam shirt. I think Run DMC stole the logo from me. Get that Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast shirt. Get that Sam Roberts 8-bit shirt. The action figure shirt. Get the classic shirt. The shirt that everybody, the phrase that everybody was repeating after I compared the Hype Bros breakup to the Rockers breakup. What were they saying? What's that guy on the show doing? Shill Roberts Shill. Shill Roberts Shill. Well, now you can get those two words said three. It's te- it's two words, but it's the three words are listed, but two words are the same. You can get them on a t-shirt. It says Shill Roberts Shill, and it's available now at notsam.com slash merch. Pick them up. Get them while they're hot. Enjoy and enjoy this week's State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. Let's do it. State of Wrestling time. And of course, a lot of you guys are joining me on the Facebook page. If you're not, uh, you could be. Every Wednesday when I record State of Wrestling live from the glorious and beautiful Not Sam Studios, I do it live on Facebook as well because why not? We have the ability to. So if you like me at facebook.com slash Sam, you can be a part of the State of Wrestling when it happens live if that's something that you want to do. So there's a, a ton to unwrap this week. I already see you in the in the comments section. You're already talking about Ziggler. We'll get there. We'll get to Ziggler, but in order to get to Ziggler, there's a lot of steps. There's a lot to unwrap before we quite get to the week that Dolph Ziggler has been having. Let's start with the Royal Rumble because I'm pretty surprised, and I guess I shouldn't be, because it seems like it's the trend lately that for the big four, Royal Rumble... WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, WWE has been announcing main events way in advance. And for usually, we wouldn't have this long of a build for the Royal Rumble without a Raw pay-per-view. So you had Survivor Series, you had just the one pay-per-view, Clash of Champions, which we'll get into. Then you had Royal Rumble. Then you have Royal Rumble coming up, I believe, on the 28th. A long time to build, but... The main event has been announced. I think to nobody's surprise, we found out on Raw that they were doing the Braun Strowman, Kane, Brock Lesnar triple threat match. Um, you know, I, I personally feel like this is a, an easy match to have if you just want a Brock transition match before WrestleMania. It's kind of a letdown because there have been so many cool Brock Lesnar matches in the last several months, right? The Samoa Joe-Brock Lesnar match at Great Balls of Fire made up for the fact that the pay-per-view is called Great Balls of Fire. The AJ Styles-Brock Lesnar match was an absolute classic and one of Brock's best since he's been back in WWE, maybe his best. Uh, you know, there have been a few. The Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar, while it didn't pan out, it didn't quite meet all of our expectations, it was still on paper a cool thing to have happen. And I think the Fatal 4-Way at SummerSlam was all right. But in this match, 
And Royal Rumble, I think we're all walking in knowing Brock Lesnar's not going to lose the Universal Championship to either Kane or Braun Strowman. And furthermore, it would seem like while Kane has been built as this uh, monster, that Brock uh, will probably beat Kane, meaning Kane is in the match so that Brock doesn't have to pin Braun Strowman, I would think, right? That way they can save Braun Strowman. Brock doesn't have to lose the title. And, you know, Kane can afford to lose because he's about to leave to run for mayor again. Anyway, I just, uh, I, I, I still think, you know, you look at what's been happening with Kane on WWE TV lately, and specifically, the rise of Kane has coincided with the fall of Finn Balor in the way the characters are portrayed. And I don't think that I know of many fans that think that that's the right relationship to have between those two characters. I don't know of many fans that think that Kane right now is more valuable than Finn Balor. And you could say, look, we don't know. Finn Balor's been injured a couple times. He's not in his 20s. I mean, he's not in his 40s either. He's not an old guy. But we don't know based on the style of wrestling that he competed in for all those years. We don't know how many years he's got left in WWE as a top guy. We can't put him in that position, Bob. You can make up a ton of excuses. But at the end of the day, if you're just talking about one match, a title match at the Royal Rumble, I think that Finn Balor probably in 2017, 2018, by the time we get to the Royal Rumble, uh, calendars, has a lot more to add than Kane. All that said... Maybe you want to save Finn Balor for a time where he might actually win. Maybe the point of this is just a a WrestleMania holdover match, that you have to have Brock Lesnar on the show because it's a big four show and he's your universal champion and he's Brock Lesnar. Maybe you have to have that happen. So you put together this holdover thing, but that is uh, exactly what it feels like. It says, uh, Miguel says, Finn can always be rebuilt. This might be the last run for Kane. That's true. I would imagine this will be the last run for Kane. And I do believe that Finn Balor will be rebuilt. All that said, you know, I just don't... I think it's cool to see Kane look like a beast on his way out. I think it's cool to see Kane look as fierce as... uh, That's like a Tyra Banks word, isn't it? Fierce isn't a word for... uh, scary monsters anymore look as uh, fearsome uh, as he does right now just because we want to be left with the memory of Kane uh, similar to the one that we were introduced to him as when he ripped this Hell in a Cell door off of its hinges that's gotta be Kane but I just don't think that people are as excited about Kane as they once were and it's a shame but I just don't because he's gone through so many incarnations I don't know how wholeheartedly people buy into the the demon character anymore. And I, you know, I, I think that, that Kane's had this amazing run, and he's still amazing. You know, the matches that he still has, the bumps that he's still taking, like, that is really outstanding. I just, we're, when you're just talking about audience reaction, I don't know that, that Kane is going to get people, I was going to say that Kane's going to get people on fire, but that would be a disgusting pun. Um, I just, there's, so I think Kane's in the match because that way you can protect Braun Strowman and Brock Lesnar can pin Kane. I think Braun Strowman's in the match because Kane versus Brock Lesnar is not Royal Rumble worthy. 
So that's the direction that they're going in. You know, luckily, I think when you've got the Royal Rumble, uh, and it says, sadly, Kane, Brendan saying this, changing so much, uh, didn't get my attention like Taker did, but he is a great performer. That's the thing. You can't take anything away from Kane's ability. I just don't think that uh, the fans are locked into Kane right now. Now, all that said, this Brock Lesnar match kind of just becomes an exhibition. Just an opportunity to see Brock Lesnar. Honestly, because of Kane's inclusion, you're now creating a match where it it's it's like an exhibition for Brock Lesnar and for Braun Strowman. That Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman are both attractions that you can just go see, and it's amazing because they're so big and they beat people up. And that's all it is. This isn't the match that people look forward to. It's just an attraction on the show. Luckily... You're going to have some kind of SmackDown title match involving AJ Styles, which I would imagine will be great. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss theories in a moment. But you've got two Royal Rumble matches this year, which is going to help a lot. You know, there's going to be, I think, a lot of excitement building towards this women's Royal Rumble match. And, of course, the men's Royal Rumble match is always exciting. Um, I am excited about the women's Royal Rumble. I think that it's a, a fabulous idea. I think that uh, we're in the right position for it. Um, and, and and let's talk about this. So on Raw, it's simply announced. And we'll talk about the announcement in a moment. Right now, let's just talk about the rules of this Women's Royal Rumble match. It's announced on Raw that it's going to happen. And Alexa Bliss is in the ring when it's announced. There are uh, websites, I think uh, wrestling Pro Wrestling Sheet reported that uh, the women did not know it was going to be announced, which I can believe. And they did kind of... The reactions did seem real. I will say that. They seemed like they were legitimately happy about this announcement. So I can believe that. Especially because Alexa Bliss was in the ring on Raw, and then on SmackDown, when Charlotte came out, the implication was made heavily that Charlotte would not be in the Royal Rumble match, and that the women's Royal Rumble match would have the same stipulation as the men's Royal Rumble match, which would mean the winner would get a shot at the Women's Championship at WrestleMania, which is the right move. And I'll tell you why. Because leaving your champions out of the Women's Royal Rumble match is going to make it seem like your women's roster is even bigger. To put your champions in the Royal Rumble match sends the message, because you don't see the men have the, you don't see the Universal Champion or the WWE Champion in the Royal Rumble match. So to put the Raw or the SmackDown women's champion in the Royal Rumble match would lead you to believe that there aren't enough women on the roster and that you need to put the champions in because you would never do that with the men. The fact that they're not in it is going to make the roster look even bigger. Rumor has it, and this is all just mere rumor and uh, some innuendo, this is going to be a 30-woman Royal Rumble. There was a lot of speculation that this would be a 20-woman match, but the rumor is that they're going with the 30 30 women, and that it's going to be comprised of the entire Raw and SmackDown rosters, minus the champions, I would imagine, as well as uh, NXT. I wouldn't call them call-ups because we've seen, you know, it's the same way we saw Bo Dallas debut in the Royal Rumble, uh, Ty Dillinger debut in the Royal Rumble. These guys did not continue on the main roster after the Rumble. They came after, you know, several months later. So uh, I I don't think that this would be considered a call-up. It would just be... Again, we use that word exhibition, just a moment to show these women. Now, if you're talking about NXT, do you put Ember Moon in the match? Do you 
allow somebody to eliminate Ember Moon because unless she's going to win, and I wouldn't think that Ember Moon is going to win because I don't think that you want to take her off the NXT roster yet, do you put her in the match? That's probably a little risky. I would probably not put Ember Moon in the match. I would put Kaidi Sane in the match. Uh, I would put Shayna Baszler in the match. Um, I don't know who else from NXT. I think uh, Kaidi Sane and Shayna Baszler are both new to NXT, so they're going to stay there for a while, but they're also, they need to be established as big stars, and they will be. You know, Kaidi Sane, the, winning the Mae Young Classic helped her, you know, a million. And Shayna Baszler just has that vibe. Like, Shayna Baszler, I think, is going to do really, really well in NXT. But I think that both would be served well by popping up in this Rumble match. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I don't know who else you would, you would put in there. I, do you put Peyton Royce and Billy Kay in? Maybe. Maybe. I think that, you know, one thing you could do, Peyton Royce and Billy Kay would probably have something funny to do in the Royal Rumble match. And I would imagine that those characters will make a main roster debut before long. So it would be a good opportunity to familiarize the audience with the iconic duo. Maybe they insist on going in the Rumble together. Maybe only one of them goes in and, and the other one's at ringside. Maybe you do the deal where one eliminates the other. You know, there's a lot of possibilities. The other thing that's come up is the idea of legends, female legends being involved in the Rumble match. And I imagine that would happen. I believe that, that they'll use the same philosophies that they use in the men's Royal Rumble match. So I wouldn't be surprised at all. I would imagine Lita will be in the match. You know, Alita's in amazing shape. She's still a part of the WWE. You know, she's she's on all the time. So uh, she did the commentary for the Mae Young Classic. So I, w- I would imagine, the, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised, and I hope that we see Lita. Trish Stratus is a name that's been thrown around. Michelle McCool, maybe. You know, she's married to The Undertaker. She's still got a relationship, on. obviously. Trish Stratus is a name that's been thrown around. And... I think it would be amazing if Trish Stratus were in this Rumble. I think that if Trish Stratus shows up in the Royal Rumble, the desire to want her to be back in the ring is going to be even higher. You know, I think that Trish Stratus is so, so beloved that if she shows up in the Rumble and has a showing that's even remotely good, you're going to have, we want Trish chance wherever you go, I think. That said, I would put her in. Just because it would be such, such, such a moment. And you could get a lot of heel heat, if that's the term, on uh, whoever eliminates Trish, hypothetically. You could also have a great moment between Mickey James and Trish. Mickey actually being on the roster, obviously she'll be in the Rumble, I would imagine. Facing off with Trish for the first time in, you know, over 10 years. I think that'd be a great moment. So... I, I'm, I'm super excited about the women's Rumble match. I think it's the right move. I think it's a good move for history. I did not like the execution of the announcement on Raw. I already immediately... So, I have a couple of issues here. Two weeks in a row, Alexa Bliss came out to help the women's division fend off the Riot Squad. I mean, Absolution. Um, I don't think that Alexa Bliss should be doing that. I think Alexa Bliss as champion, number one, she never comes out with the title, so you forget that she's champion. She just blends in with the rest of the roster. And number two, before Absolution got there, Alexa Bliss was not well-liked. Alexa Bliss was not nice to anyone. There is no reason for me to believe that the rest of that roster now likes Alexa Bliss just because she's not Absolution. You can dislike more than one person at the same time. You can dislike many, many people at the same time. 
You know, it, it doesn't, uh, uh, it doesn't, you can, you can, you can dislike the world all at once. You don't just have to pick one target. I think this week on Raw, my first thought was that not only should Alexa Bliss not be out there, but Asuka should not be out there. I think Alexa Bliss should be looked at as separated from the women's division because she's a bad guy champion and she's like the mean girl. And I think Asuka should not be out there because I I I think that Asuka should be protected like a Hulk Hogan. You know, like like Asuka is Raw's version of Charlotte Flair. Whereas on SmackDown, we're all acknowledging that Charlotte Flair is the queen of the roster above and beyond anybody else out there. And I think that that's the spirit that you have to hold Asuka in on Raw. So that the idea, whenever, whenever, and and plus the fact that Asuka like, looks so unique and she doesn't speak and she's got this like move set that we've never seen before in a WWE ring, I think that Asuka needs to be... It needs to be special anytime she's shown on television. Anytime she's shown on television, it needs to be like, oh my God, Asuka's here. And that's the way her matches are promoted. You know, the idea that she's one of the very few people on the roster that a graphic comes up and says, hey, when we come back, Asuka will be here. You're not even advertising a match half the time. Sometimes you are, but half the time you're not. It's just a, a Asuka's logo and it's saying, stay tuned to Monday Night Raw because Asuka is going to be on this TV show. And you're conditioning people to believe that Asuka alone is enough to attract an audience. And I think when you do that, you need to kind of separate her from the rest of the roster, okay? So I, 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 don't, not, I don't like the idea of Asuka and Alexa Bliss being involved in those uh, group battles, especially because I, I like the idea of absolution having this rivalry with the women's division and then also having a rivalry with Asuka and we've seen that on Raw a couple of times where we'll have one segment where absolution interrupts kind of most of the women's division and then another segment to an hour and a half later where absolution interrupts Asuka that's what I like that's what I I want to see I want to see Asuka as the separated force Stephanie comes out. They stop fighting when Stephanie comes out. I don't want to nitpick. I didn't love it. I felt like it should be a little more chaotic, but I understood once the message was delivered, I understood why they kind of had to stop fighting. Made sense. Okay, no problem. When Stephanie announced the Women's Royal Rumble match, it was this great moment for history. And... The fans, yes, yes, yes. And I was going like, wow, that's awesome, right? 100% don't mind it at all. I don't mind Stephanie stepping out of the role of bad guy to announce this thing because this is what she's doing. Like, And she skirted that line for a long time. Didn't mind Stephanie at all. Thought she was great. Love Stephanie. What I don't like is an announcement like this gets made and everybody's friends. An announcement like this gets made and every female on the roster is just celebrating female empowerment. If you've got a ring with men in it and the men have a problem with each other, historically, even if you say like, hey, all right, I'm going to give everybody what you want. It's going to be a four corners match and the title will be on the line. Okay, we've all gotten what we want. But what does that scene look like historically on TV? They're not celebrating. They're not smiling. They stop fighting. They glare at each other. Oh, I'm going to kick your ass. Oh, 
Oh, you're mine. Oh, that title is mine. Oh, you're done for. That's what we see, right? That's what I wanted to see in the ring. <coughs> I'd be okay if, if some people were excited, right? Alexa Bliss should not be excited because she's the champion, right? Why would Alexa Bliss want a Royal Rumble match? So you're telling me that as the champion, you want to defend your title against somebody who just went through 30 people? And I don't mean just as in the same day. I mean, they have the ability to go through 29 other women, rest, and now you have to beat them. They just beat 29 people. How are you supposed to beat them by yourself? If I'm champion, I'm, I hate the Royal Rumble, and I don't want the guy winning it competing with me. So that's, I didn't like Alexa cheering, and I thought Absolution should still have had chips on their shoulders. It was almost like when you make these uh, historic announcements, you're, too, you're so focused on the history that you, the bad guys can't be bad guys. Right? I'm not, the bad guys aren't being bad guys. Everybody's just celebrating. And for me, uh, uh, it, didn't, it didn't quite work. Just because of that little thing. Like, for history to get made, I want the Women's Royal Rumble to feel like the Men's Royal Rumble, which means competition, which means ugliness, which means rivalry, which means, you know, people fighting with each other. And I think that that's important, you know? So, over on the SmackDown side, uh, Dan Johnson says, going through 29 women in one night seems just like a normal night for Sam, eh? That's why they call me the last professional broadcaster. That's disgusting, Dan. You're awful. Um, so over on the SmackDown side, we don't have any matches announced yet. When AJ Styles was on Talking Smack, uh, as we talked about earlier on the podcast today, he uh, said he was done with gender. And the name Sami Zayn has come up as a WWE championship contender. Sami Zayn as a bad guy has been awesome. He's been incredible. Uh, and I love that idea, actually. I don't think that Sami Zayn is quite, uh, like, we're not going to see him in a WrestleMania main event any uh, at the moment. And I don't mean anytime soon. That's not fair. We won't see him in a WrestleMania main event this year. Who knows? Who knows what happens over the next year? But he's not going to be in a WrestleMania main event this year. However, if AJ needs a title match for Royal Rumble, I don't know that many people who would be better than Sami Zayn. The, plus, it gives you, like, Sami Zayn becoming a bad guy should build you more matches. I know that he and Kevin Owens are on the same side, but if you just use this opportunity to put Kevin Owens back in title matches, it's still the same matches we've seen before. I'd say put Sami Zayn in that position. What if, what if, what if Sami Zayn has to go against AJ Styles for the, uh, for their jobs or what, you know what I mean? Because that, that Shane McMahon, Daniel Bryan storyline is still going to be happening. I don't know. I don't know, but I love the idea of Sami Zayn getting the next title shot. I still, you know, my WrestleMania dream match is always going to be Nakamura versus AJ Styles. I'm not terribly confident in that match today as we speak. That's not to say it won't happen, but today as we speak, if I had to bet, I would bet that it would not happen. Um, but I, I do think that, that Sami Zayn is the right guy to take on AJ at the Royal Rumble. Um, what else is going on at the Rumble? Nakamura uh, is, a, is a name that people are saying. Yeah, I mean, not for Royal Rumble. If you're going to do that match, do that match. 
I don't want to see Nakamura and AJ Styles at the Royal Rumble. I want to see Nakamura and AJ Styles on the big stage. To see him at the Royal Rumble is like, mm, you know, it's like, yeah, we wanted to see this match, but just imagine how big it could be. That's what she said. She she did not get her wish. Let's just put it that way. If I was a betting man, though, while I wouldn't put my money on AJ versus Nakamura at WrestleMania, although I want to see it, if I was a betting man, and here comes a controversial statement, I believe we will see Daniel Bryan back in a WWE ring. I th- I officially think it's going to happen. I don't think I I think that we're we're past the point of no return. We have seen this thing get played out, and Clash of Champions was a big moment to find out where we were going with this. There has been tension building between Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan since the build of Survivor Series. So it's now been two months that tension has been building between Shane and Daniel Bryan. And this is not tension the way there was tension building between Miz and Daniel Bryan. This is not tension between Baron Corbin and Daniel Bryan. This is centralized tension. This tension is the storyline going on on SmackDown right now. And at Clash of Champions, it was not understated. It was not brushed over. It was the main focus of one of the big matches on that show. When Brian shoved Shane, it was like, oh my God, this is real. At that moment, watching the interaction Shane and Daniel Bryan had made me believe Daniel Bryan will compete in some way, shape, or form against Shane McMahon. There is absolutely no reason to do this this way otherwise. And if you're not going to have Daniel Bryan wrestle in a WWE ring, if anything, you should be squashing the idea of anybody wanting to see him. The idea that you're building a storyline that has people hungry to see him in a specific match. If you don't pay that off and then Daniel Bryan leaves, people are going to be even more excited to see him wrestle elsewhere. And as much as I don't think WWE has wanted him wrestling, I don't think WWE wants him wrestling elsewhere. I don't think they want him in anybody else's ring. And they know that the minute his contract up, that's exactly what he's going to do. And he's made no secret about it. He's been very, very clear about it. But he's also been very, very clear about the fact that the place he wants to wrestle is a WWE ring. If you go back a few weeks and listen on the podcast, that's what he said. He has never said that before previously. Previously, he's talked about how he is going to wrestle. And he's and he's talked about how, you know, he's acted like he's not wrestling in WWE, he's wrestling elsewhere and, and just waiting and blah, blah, blah. Now, now he's entertaining the possibility. He's, he's establishing that wrestling in a WWE ring again is something that he wants to do. So, you got this storyline going on with Shane McMahon and the only possible, the only possible outcome for this tension is some kind of physical confrontation. Anything that is not physical between these two guys is a letdown. Anything else is like, oh, I thought we were going to see a match. I believe whether it's a singles match or some kind of multi-person tag match, we will see a match between Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. There is no doubt in my mind. Right now. Right now, if well, I mean, I don't know if there's no doubt in my mind, but if I had to bet, I'm saying. If I had to bet, it's going to happen. Dino says Daniel will use a proxy wrestler. He'll have somebody wrestle in his place. 
Dino, it's possible. But I believe that that would be such a disappointment. Who, I, Unless Daniel Bryan can pull CM Punk out of his back pocket. I don't know anyone that Daniel Bryan could use to represent him that would not make people disappointed. If anybody knows anybody, you know, say it. Let me know. If I'm forgetting somebody, you tell me if there is anybody that you think that Daniel Bryan can use as a proxy wrestler in order to avoid physical confrontation without destroying, destroying fans' hopes about this thing. Because in my mind, if you get all the way to WrestleMania, because that seems to be where it's going, unless it it could get settled at the Royal Rumble, but if you go all the way now, you could do something where Daniel uses a proxy wrestler to face Shane at the Royal Rumble, some chicanery happens, and Daniel Bryan has to step up and do it himself at WrestleMania, but if you're going to WrestleMania and you have Daniel Bryan in the corner of somebody to fight his battle for him against Shane McMahon, the match is not the match is getting booed. No, the ma- you're just not going to be excited for that match, you know? Unless unless it's CM Punk. It says uh, uh Mike says uh Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon is legit. No. I don't think so. If Daniel Bryan said, well, I'm going to get another GM to take my place, it's Kurt Angle, people would be like, what? Because, you know, Kurt Angle is a guy who's worked through so many injuries. And we watch Kurt Angle and we say to ourselves, how could Kurt Angle be cleared and Daniel Bryan is not? All that's going to happen if Kurt Angle takes Daniel Bryan's place is a reminder that for an invisible reason, a reason that we can't see or fathom, Daniel Bryan competing in a WWE ring is being kept from us. The fans. The fans. The WWE universe. And I just don't think it's going to work. I see Zachary says Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is where you go. No. That's ridiculous. I see uh, it says Daniel Bryan has too much uh, pride to let that happen is what Mindy says. Maybe I mean, Daniel Bryan's going to do his job at the end of the day. Daniel Bryan is a professional. He is, he's a professional, and he's going to do his job. But I just don't see this going any other way than Daniel Bryan versus Shane McMahon or a tag match. If you want to talk about proxy wrestlers, talk about a tag match. So you can just have Daniel Bryan do a couple things in the ring. I think his repertoire is going to be changed. I don't think he's ever doing that flying headbutt again. I don't think he's doing anything off the top ropes. I don't think he's doing that suicide dive through those middle two ropes. I don't think he's doing any of that stuff anymore. I think he's going to start focusing on the mat-based stuff. But honestly, he should. A guy that's had as many concussions as Daniel Bryan has had, who's got actual grappling experience, he should be concentrating on the grappling stuff. It's not going to give you a concussion. That's for sure. So I think that that's what I think. I think Daniel Bryan wrestling in a WWE ring has officially become an inevitability. Shawn Michaels is a name that's being brought up. Uh, Mike says, what about his brother-in-law, John Cena? John Cena versus Shane McMahon with John Cena taking Daniel Bryan's place will leave people furious. You know, Shawn Michaels coming back would be a big deal. And I just think that he's another one that like, he's gone through so many injuries and drug problems and things like that, that seeing guys wrestle for Daniel Bryan that are older than Daniel Bryan and not and have gone through injuries as well will just never be satisfying. 
I think we're going to see Daniel Bryan in a WWE ring. So speaking of Clash of Champions, I thought it was a great pay-per-view. And I think that it's a, it's a, it's a note. The, the trend for in 2017, and we'll do a whole 2017 year in review next week for the podcast, but the trend that WWE has been on in 2017 is pay-per-views that are hyped to the gills when you've got like uh, uh, No Mercy, where you got John Cena and Roman Reigns, you got Brock Lesnar and Braun Strowman. Pay-per-views like that have kind of left people feeling a little bit flat, whereas pay-per-views that people think are flat going in have throughout the year been the ones that people leave happy. I think there's been a trend in WWE pay-per-views this year that the lower the expectation, the higher the review. And I don't think it's just that people go in with low expectations and they get pleasantly surprised. I think that it's because these, these shows that on paper are not the strongest in the world generally have story injected into them. These show the, the matches have story interjected and it becomes okay. Like every match at Clash of Champions, even though it wasn't the most like electric card to write down on a piece of paper, every match had a story behind it that we cared about, including the pre-show match between Mojo and Zack Ryder. All of them did. And they all had different directions we were going. And not only did they all have different directions that they were going in terms of what we were predicting, once they got in the ring, they were different. You know, I think that the tag match, for example, the fatal four-way tag match, the story of that tag match going in was Rusev Day and how great they were, how none of us would have expected Rusev and Aiden English to become the hottest tag team on the roster but they were just, they were blowing the roof off the place. Everybody loves him so much, right? So that's the story going into the match. Once the match was actually going on, the new story became, oh my God, I forgot how amazing Chad Gable is. I forgot how amazing Gable is. Gable and Benjamin are an amazing tag team. The 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 delayed German suplexes, a la Dalton Castle, that Gable was uh, was unleashing, on his opponents, amazing. He did one to Big E, amazing. Chad Gable was the MVP of that match, maybe of the whole pay-per-view, if only because he was written off going into it. My take on it was that a lot of people wrote him off and they were sitting there looking at that tag match. I mean, listen to us on the on the kickoff show. We were talking about the fact that the New Day has become one of the greatest teams of all time. The Usos are, to me, the best tag team of 2017. Absolutely. Whether it's the best, the most improved, they win all the awards. The Uso Penitentiary get the sour flower seal of approval. And Rusev Day becoming, you know, at the end of this year, the most popular thing in the world. Gable and Benjamin get written off. And what happens? Boom. Boom. They remind you. And that's what you have to do when you got TV time like that. Remind people why you're there, and that's what Chad Gable did. And Shelton Benjamin, too. I'm not taking anything away from him. Um, You talk about the U.S. title match. The U.S. title match, to me, was a Bobby Roode story, and I think it shocked a lot of people when Dolph Ziggler won the title. I think it shocked more people when he relinquished the title. Now, I don't think that Dolph Ziggler is going away. I think that that was obviously a storyline 
that we saw. You know, I don't think that, that Dolph is going away. I don't think that, I mean, he may be off TV for a little bit, but like, I don't think he's going to New Japan. I don't think he's going to go work the indies. I don't think this is Dolph Ziggler's moment to, um, to do his own Cody Rhodes routine. You know, I, if it was, I don't think they would have put the title on him just to let him leave the company right after that. So I, I think that there is the Dolph Ziggler in the WWE story is still being told. I don't think he's leaving anywhere. Um, and technically, I mean, if you go to the WWE's website, let me go right now. If you go to the WWE's website and you see uh, uh, who the United States champion is, I don't think, I think it still says Dolph Ziggler. I don't think that Vacant has defeated him for the title yet. Nope, it still says Dolph Ziggler is the United States champion. Vacant has not won that title. He's won multiple titles before, but he has not won the United States title yet. So the story is still being told. Dolph Ziggler is not, in my opinion, is not leaving. Uh, I see uh, Chris says the gable plexes are insane. They really are. I mean, they're, they're, he's so, you forget how much fun that guy is to watch and how really like, he's going to be a huge single star at some point. I think Chad Gable is just going to be a tremendous single star. He's just great. He's great. And then, uh, excuse me. Will the New Day, uh, Dave is asking, will the New Day break up before or after Mania? Um, we'll probably, we'll probably get another New Day WrestleMania. You know, I think the New Day right now are hell-bent on selling uh, pancake mix. So I think that that's still a goal that needs to be accomplished. Um, so I think that New Day will probably stay together uh, through WrestleMania. I just think in 2018 that they will break up. I think that that we've seen the last full year of the New Day together. Um, I'd love to see a rematch, says Chris, of uh, Chad Gable versus AJ. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it'd be amazing. I think it'd be really, really amazing. Let's move on with the show. Of course, you had uh, the Bludgeon Brothers, uh, which, you know, no, I don't think a big shocker there. Uh, the tag match we talked about with Shane and Daniel Bryan. Um, and then... The world title match with AJ, which was just great. I thought that AJ was spectacular because he told this story, and Jinder was great too, because they told this story of Jinder taking out AJ part by part, right? They told this story of Jinder uh, uh, taking AJ out uh, piece by piece. So there go his legs, there go his ribs, there go his arms, everything. To the point where you're like, well, how can AJ compete? But every time Jinder took out a body part of AJ's, AJ had a new move set, meaning... If, if Jinder took out his ribs, AJ was going to swing with his arms. If Jinder took out his arms and his whole upper body was gone, AJ had a whole set of moves where he just needed his legs. All stuff like that, I think, is, uh, is so cool and valuable. You know, I think, I think that AJ really, really shined in showing off his repertoire and how many uh, pieces there are to it. I also love the inclusion of the Singh brothers and, and that... That the WWE is so behind AJ that he's the only guy that's been able to stop them from getting involved. You know, he's the only guy, Randy Orton, Nakamura, it was AJ Styles who was able to get past the interference and still cleanly defeat Jinder Mahal to the point that, like, there's no real argument. You wonder what's next for Jinder Mahal. I think Jinder Mahal is great, and Jinder Mahal, Jinder Mahal should be the U.S. champion, and Bobby Roode should be feuding with him. If you're going to have Bobby Roode be a good guy, 
he should be chasing Jinder Mahal for the United States Championship. That, I think, is is the space because everybody would be comfortable with Jinder Mahal in that space. I think people are still uncomfortable with Jinder Mahal in the main event space, which is not fair to Jinder, but it is what it is. So that is one of the things that's holding back his title, his WWE championship reign from being all that it could be. That said, I think that you you have to comment on how much he's improved and how good he is. And I think people would be comfortable with him being the United States champion. It goes back to a foreigner having the U.S. champion, which is always a good thing for a bad guy. And uh, it lets uh, Bobby Roode go after somebody. And Jinder beats Bobby and Bobby beats Jinder. I just think that there's a, there's a lot of potential. Is Jinder being held back, asked Chris, by WWE because they are still too PC? There is no way, no way that Jinder is being held back. Jinder isn't being held back at all. He had an amazing title run this year. He went from being a jobber to being the champion. Jinder's not being held back. I love this. Jared says, don't swipe left on Tinder. Let me do that again. Jared says, don't swipe left on Tinder. Vote yes for U.S. champion Jinder. Love it. Rhyme scheme. Perfect. Uh, The Singh brothers need to get involved in the tag division. I think the Singh brothers are exactly where they should be at the moment. Eventually, yes. They should get involved in the tag division. But honestly, the tag division being as strong as it is, look who you've got in the tag division right now. And just on, on SmackDown alone, not to mention on Raw. On Raw, you've got uh, uh, you got the bar. you got Rollins and Ambrose. I don't know how long Ambrose is out with this injury, but for a minute there, you had Rollins and Ambrose. Um, you've got uh, uh, the Revival back now. You've got a lot going on on Raw. But over on SmackDown, my God. You've got New Day. You've got the Usos. You've got Gable and Benjamin, which are now an amazing team because of that pay-per-view. You've got Rusev Day. You've got the Bludgeon Brothers. you got Comic Relief and Breezango. You really think the Singh Brothers need to jump into that shark pond? I don't think so. Sharks don't swim in a pond generally, but SmackDown isn't the biggest place, and there's a lot of sharks in there. That's why. I think that the Singh Brothers are exactly where they need to be. Eventually, they will mosey on out and probably join the tag division, a la Hawkins and Ryder and the Edgeheads. But for now, the Jinderheads need to stick with Jinder and help that man become the United States champion and stop swiping left on Tinder because Jinder needs them. Right? Right. Jinder is hands down, says Chase, the most improved wrestler of 2017. Um, I think that uh, that, that might be, uh, we might do some awards next week on the show because what if Jinder sucks on SmackDown on December 26th then he's not the most improved wrestler anymore then he sucks so we'll have to wait until next week before we give out those awards um so yeah I think all in all we left Clash of Champions uh very optimistic about SmackDown um and I think it was a I think it was a very good show Two days before Clash of Champions, you had Final Battle on pay-per-view, which I ordered because uh, I didn't, I couldn't make it out to the Hammerstein, uh, but I do enjoy supporting Ring of Honor, and I have a lot of faith in, in Ring of Honor as an organization, especially in talent and, and, and the guys they have around them, and even storyline, the whole thing. I think Ring of Honor is great. We can talk about the bad, we can talk about the good, as far as Final Battle went. Uh, the good was the matches. Just about every match I enjoyed on that show. Um, I love Silas Young as the television champion. I love even more having Dalton Castle 
boys having Dalton Castle, my pal, who I believe he claimed on this podcast he was my full-time co-host, although he hasn't been back since. We should get Dalton Castle. Here's what I want you to do. You guys go out there. You tweet Dalton Castle, and you tell him to grab his Ring of Honor championship. It's not a belt. God damn it. It's a championship. Grab his championship. Get in the car and bring that Ring of Honor championship in to the Not Sam Studios so we can revisit and talk about everything that's happened in the career of Dalton Castle. I think that Dalton Castle being Ring of Honor champion is a great, great thing for a multitude of reasons. Number one, because I know him. Number two, because he's great and has only gotten better and better and better and better as time has gone on. He first got over on the strength of the character, right? On the on the on the jumpsuits and the boys and the weird sexual stuff and the and the rock starness of it all. The character is what fir- he first won on. But since then, he's become so much more than that character. I believe he is now just as popular, if not more popular, for his wrestling than for the character. His suplex is just about as good as Chad Gable's suplex. That delayed German. It might even be better. I saw him at, a, at, at one of the Ring of Honor shows. I saw Dalton Castle, who's, I mean, he's not the tallest guy in the world, but goddamn is he strong as an ox. I saw him do it to Moose. Moose. Dalton Castle delayed German suplex to Moose was one of the damnedest things I've ever seen in my life, quite frankly. Um, so I think that he deserves to be champion based on his crowd appeal, his audience appeal, and his ring ability. And the stories that he tells in the ring. You know, that's all good. Most important of all, I think he should be champion because the Ring of Honor champion should be a Ring of Honor guy. Now, there's a lot of controversy coming off of the Ring of Honor pay-per-view uh, because the clip that went viral of the Young Bucks and the and all the teams missing their drop kicks and stuff and being, you know, uh, 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 synchronized about it, which is insane. Like, first of all, guys, don't get mad at it. People take wrestling out of context all the time. It's what they do, and it's fine. But the, the Young Bucks wrestle a style that almost allow the audience in on the inside joke, meaning that the inside joke doesn't exist in the locker room and the wool is being pulled over the audience's eyes. The inside joke is between the Young Bucks, the audience, the rest of the Bullet Club, and the people who are not in on the joke, who we are all laughing at, are the people in the wrestling business and outside of the wrestling business who don't get the Young Bucks as the Young Bucks laugh all the way to the bank. That is a style that almost nobody could get away with. And in principle, I'm okay with everybody having a problem with it. But let's break this down here. Cody Rhodes has specifically said he hates when people who aren't in the business use wrestling lingo because people who are in the business don't use wrestling lingo. He hates wrestling lingo. He hates the inside stuff. He hates the internet stuff. He doesn't like the, let's totally pull back the curtain and just make this into a into a thing that everybody's in on. But he teams with the Young Bucks. That's not a money play. Wow, it's a little bit of a money play. But it's not just a money play. It's because the Young Bucks are probably the only act in wrestling that could get away with it and do get away with it. I understand if people don't like it in principle, but you need to take it in context. Who's doing it? When are they doing it? Why are they doing it? How much are they doing it? 
and realize, okay, yeah, the Young Bucks are maybe the only ones that can do this. All that said, when you get the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes and Marty Skrull, and they're doing drop kicks and they're singing Backstreet Boys and whatnot, you run a risk. Ring of Honor right now walks this line, and sometimes they completely fall over the line. But right now they're walking this line of realizing we have the Bullet Club, we have the Bucks, we have Marty Skrull, we have Cody. Some of the biggest names in America, in wrestling, in the world in wrestling outside of WWE. They can go do whatever they want. And there are shows that have run the risk, if not fully fallen over the edge, of instead of being a Ring of Honor show, they just become the Cody show. Or they just become the Bullet Club show. And that's the type of stuff that happened in WCW. When WCW was prospering, it was because it was the NWO show. They let the NWO do whatever they want. But once the NWO had run their course, WCW was SOL. The company had been destroyed because they gave everything to this NWO act that was working so well. So Ring of Honor needs to make sure not to do that. Ring of Honor needs to make sure that it's still the Ring of Honor show. And putting the title on Dalton Castle does just that. Putting the title on Dalton Castle allows ring of honor to remind people that the best athletes are ring of honor athletes and that's why cody rhodes is here not ring of honor is begging the bullet club to be in their organization because they're so popular you know and i think that that's that's a distinction that was made at the pay-per-view in a very very good way here's where i think ring of honor needs to improve and i see jared saying the the lwo in wcw was really calling the shots maybe that's true maybe that's true Here's where I think uh, Ring of Honor needs to improve a little bit. Production value. Throughout the entire night, I didn't like the camera angles. I didn't like the lighting. I didn't like any... I thought the commentators were good. I thought Rich and uh, and Colt Cabana were good. And Rich was really good, actually. Um, I, the commentators I like on Ring of Honor because uh, they take the product seriously. A lot of shows like that, you could fall into this trap of like just kind of having fun with it, which you should be having fun, but you should be taking the product seriously, and both those guys did. So I like the commentary in Ring of Honor, but I don't like... I The, the show needs some serious direction in terms of camera angles and production value. They have to do it. And it's not even a matter of spending more money. I think it's how you're spending the money because the equipment they have is all great. The cameras are really good cameras. They have lighting, but... It's like the people lighting the shows have not lit for TV before. I'm sure it looks great live, right? I'm sure that the shows look great live. But if you're going to do a pay-per-view and you don't have real national television, which Ring of Honor does not, a lot of markets don't get Ring of Honor. Pay-per-view is your one time when you get the nation's attention. And people are paying for it. So you need to establish that there's some value to this. I need to watch a Ring of Honor pay-per-view and feel like I'm getting my $35 worth. And I get that in the action, but I don't but but I need to see my $35 being spent on television production. And I don't see that right now. They're you know, they miss shots all the time. The the IOA is so thin that camera people have to walk around wrestlers. And, but you can see that. Like, they don't go to another shot while a cameraman walks around and then go back to the cameraman. They leave the camera on while he's walking around. I just think there's so many little things in there that need improvement. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, I'm spoiled from WWE. And WWE is not, uh, 
not perfect either. There, there was some weird uh, camera movement in the women's segment on Raw. I think it was Raw that I noticed where they just kept switching angles like every half a second. It was crazy town. But all that said, I noticed the entire show. Ring of Honor desperately needs to do that. I see somebody in the in the Facebook chat says, uh, fast food is taking a toll on Sam's look. It's not fast food. It's sleep deprivation. That's the difference. Um, Ron says he will only spend $9.99 for a pay-per-view. Is that because uh, the WWE has, has, has spoiled you? I don't know. I don't mind spending $30, $35, especially on a Ring of Honor show where you where it's like you're so you're really supporting independent wrestling. But, you know, I, I just I just think that uh that I need to see that coming back at me, especially because Ring of Honor can do that. There is the money to do that in Ring of Honor. Um speaking of uh, uh of all that stuff, um and production value and television and stuff, this week the rumors started spreading that Vince McMahon may be bringing back the XFL. A blind item popped up. We don't know exactly uh, where the source got his information, but the WWE commented on it and did say that Vince McMahon was investing in an entertainment company, Alpha Entertainment, I think is what it's called, Alpha something where he can look at other ventures and it's totally personally funded. It is no, nothing to do with WWE. It's Vince McMahon's own money, which is, you know, WWE's way of saying, don't worry, stockholders, don't worry about anything like that, which is good. They should be doing that. Um, but you know, part of it was, you know, one of the things that Vince McMahon can look at is, uh, is the foosball, Bobby. They can look at football and that Vince McMahon is looking at that. You know, I obviously, It'd be nuts to start a football league again. I don't know why you would, but you got to love the never-say-die attitude in Vince McMahon. You got to love the idea that he just won't quit. There is no quit in that man. I just love the idea that at his age, not only is he not slowing down in WWE, he's going to launch another company. You know, I, I have nothing but respect. I hope at that age I have that kind of motivation to just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And who knows? Maybe the best years of Vince McMahon are still ahead, but you know, I don't know if if uh, if, if a football league is 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 in Vince's future. Uh, Chase says uh, Vince trying to compete with the NFL is a joke. What is he thinking? Look at the AFL. It's tough, man. It's tough. I don't know why anybody would want to compete with the uh, with the XFL, but I mean with the NFL. I don't know why anybody want to compete with the XFL in terms of worst ideas ever, but. People like to compete. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? Okay, this has been the State of Wrestling. I hope everybody out there has an absolutely wonderful holiday. I appreciate all you guys uh, supporting me. We will be back next week here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. We will recap 2017. Maybe we'll give out some awards. We'll be, uh, I'm assuming I'll I'll do it live on Facebook. So maybe you'll be able to join me as well. And uh, that'll be that. It'll be a really good time. All right, guys? Thank you for joining us here on Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. Until next time, and see you all later. Oh, wait. Hang on. Hang on. I didn't have my sound right. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. See you guys later. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. 
and subscribe for free to listen every week to Sam Roberts Wrestling Podcast. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com slash KeepStock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.